Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Chad. This week, in our second serving, we cover 1997's Scream 2. Hello? Hello, Sydney. Remember me? What do you want? It's time, girlfriend. Don't you know history repeats itself? Last night, two college students were brutally murdered. Police are everywhere. The girl was stabbed seven times. Ouch! Hi, Gail Weathers, author of the Woodsboro Murders. She's an opportunist. Be kind, she saved our lives. Yeah, I know. I read all about it in the book. I can't wait to see the movie. supposed to do if there is some freaked out psycho they're probably already in your life okay so you just want to sit here and, and wait to see who drops next the way i see it someone's out to make a sequel so it's our job to observe the rules of the sequel number one the body count is always bigger number two the death scenes are always much more elaborate how do we find the killer randy that's what i want to know well let's look at the suspects interrupting anything am i it's him he can see us do you want to die tonight is that the best you can do why not set your goals higher huh you want to be one of the big boys manson bundy oj Showgirls. Absolutely frightening. So we had initially decided and also informed the world (laughs) (laughs) that we were not going to be covering uh, Wes Craven's... We were going to be covering Wes Craven's not-so-popular films. But alas... It's Second Serving Tuesday, which means, if this is the first time you're joining our podcast, that we're going to be covering a sequel, part two of a franchise. And we did not really want to cover Hills Have Eyes 2. That's okay. I don't think Wes Craven wanted to make that one either, so it's fine. It, uh, yeah, that movie's something. I've never, that's the only movie that has a dog that has a flashback in it. So that's all you need to know right there. I mean, that right there deserves some kind of award. The dog, he, yeah, he deserves an award. He didn't for get that. an Oscar for his performance. No, he did not. Sadly. Well, that's bullshit. <clears throat> anti-animal is also Oscars are also anti-animal. Apparently so. So the gang is back. We have the whole spiel. Well, I shouldn't say spiel. We have the whole gang back for this one. Um, obviously, the survivors of the last movie because there are some people that just didn't make it. Besides the killers in the, from the first film. Yeah, this is probably one of the first, like, probably the only slasher movie that had this many people survive at the end. Because you ended up with Nev Campbell's character, uh, what's her name? Courtney, Courtney Cox, Cox, a character. David Arquette. David Arquette. Uh, Jamie Kennedy. Randy. Yep, as Randy. You had those four all survive it, which is unusual because usually in a horror movie, there's one and that's it. Well, they're in college now. 
and you know if it's it's not hard it's already hard enough to be in college and did they really say there have to be like sophomores what i find hilarious when they said it had been two years and they were supposed to be seniors at the time so they'd be like sophomores now okay so what's funny to me is none of these people look like they should be in college because they look mad old um <laughs> no offense for the time but the other even the other people like come on are we really supposed to believe that timothy oliphant is a fucking college student yeah i don't know how old was he when this came out he was 35 okay so he, he had been in college for a really <laughs> long fucking time well you don't know that for a fact he could have been in college when he was over 20 you know this movie also is riddled with fucking cameos it was like bitch you want to be in this movie okay because the first one was just like everyone was talking about that when it after it came out and okay you were you were close on timothy oliphant he was 30 when he did this 30 okay <laughs> so i was pretty effing close he was a 30 year old college student you know what's funny i can't even say any fucking thing because i'm still a college student so yeah it's plausible it happens but he but he just looks really old. Yeah. But like the the film class they're in at the beginning is just, you know, like you said, it's just stuffed with people that you'll recognize from things uh, in the future or that were going on at the time. Besides, you know, uh, J.B. Kennedy, you've also in Timothy Oliphant, you've got Sarah Michelle Gellar, you've got Joshua Jackson, the, who doesn't even get a name in this movie. He's just film class guy number one. That's the most, the two most important people in this fucking film is to me joshua jackson you got pacey before he was pacey and you have buffy summers like you have buffy in there and that's what like season two of buffy nah, yeah season two would have started i think because buffy came out in 97 and this came out in 97 as well so you'd have been a little bit into season two of buffy so it was popular, but not as big as it would become, you know? Yeah, and she's looked young. I mean, I've been watching that girl since forever. Like, I can't even tell you how long. It, I, I'm going to say I was probably 12 years old since I've been watching her on some kind of fucking TV show. Um. So yes, yeah, so we have everyone back, and then oh, we, and then we also have the thing where it's just like all these little like Easter eggs and like it, it's it's like in the eighties you had the Brat Pack, right? And you had all these you had the Molly Ringwald, the um, Anthony Michael Hall, you had all the, low, the, all the, people, the yeah. whole gang that were like in a whole bunch of fucking films together, not together, maybe one on one. Here you have the same thing happening. You have uh, Rebecca Gayhart, who <laughs> is part of like we're just gonna fucking say Lambda Lambda Lambda. Yeah, <laughs> Obviously, that's a that's a boys uh, fraternity, so it's not Lambda Lambda, but uh, Magamu. Uh, she's in her sorority, and she's later on in Urban Legend with Joshua Jackson, and in Urban Legend too, for that matter. Yeah, in Urban Legend too. I mean, spoilers. So, <laughs> and which I think we covered that movie. Yeah, we did. Okay. 
So we have that connection. And then we have Buffy who later on, I mean, she's Buffy, but then later on would go to do another Kevin Williamson like written film, which is I Know What You Did Last Summer. It was the same year. The same fucking year. So yes, it's just like so many like things. That, you know, well, you also are... got the part where um, uh, when uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's on the phone in the, in the sorority house, she's actually talking to Selma Blair. Yes, which... Like, I've seen this movie so many times, and I've never made the connection until you told me. And then it was just, like, I heard it loud and clear. Like, she has, like, this very specific, like, little laugh that she does. And she does it over this phone call. And the phone call is a very short phone call. It's not that long. But then, you know, they obviously they would go to do Cruel Intentions and are, like, the best of friends. So, like, to this day. So... Going back to the movie, we open up, we have Omar Epps and Jada Pickett. I don't think she was Jada Pickett-Smith at the time. I don't think so either. So we have them, they're, you know, waiting in line to see Stab. Because of course, just like in true fucking fashion, the horrendous events that happened to these people, they've been made into a movie. They were made, you know, it was a novel, obviously written by Gail Weathers. And of course, in the first movie, you had the part where they had said, just off the top of their head, like... Uh, if they make a movie of this, who would you want to play you? And I can't remember who she said, but she said they'll probably just end up getting Tori Spelling or some bullshit. And when you see the cast of Stab, you see Heather Graham is playing Drew Barrymore's part. And you do have Tori Spelling playing Nev Campbell's and Luke Wilson playing Skeet Ulrich's part, which I find hilarious. Because Luke Wilson's probably 35 at this point, too. So Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, it's... The the movie not only has, like, horror tropes in it, but also it has just, like, you know, tropes in general. Like, of course, they're going to be like, you know what? Mm. So this girl was just about to watch a movie with her boyfriend and she's making popcorn. That doesn't fucking sell. Let's have her be getting into the fucking shower, be booty naked. You know, which is like, okay, that didn't happen at all. But okay, I guess if you got to sell the tickets, like people are already coming in. Yeah. And so many of the things like this typical, like when they show the stab movie, you see the scenes from it and it's, you know, they're overacting it really hard. And, you know, it makes it really hilarious because they're just going full melodrama with it. And it's great. Oh my goodness. Swan's Crossing, by the way. Swan's Crossing is where I first started watching Miss uh, Buffy Summers, Sarah Michelle Gellar. She was on TV. And I fucking loved that show growing up. And I, it, it was a soap opera from 1992. It was only one season. They're actually, I'm pretty sure it's either, it's on Voodoo or Tubi. It's on one of those right now. Okay. You can watch it. And it is horrendous. Like, it is such a terrible <laughs> fucking show, which is why it didn't go past. But at the time, being, you know, pre-teenager, I was like, this is the bee's knees. I love this show. And she played, you know, the freaking rich... The the the, the role that she's fucking perfect at playing. The fucking rich, snobby, you know, girl that you later would see in, like, Cruel Intentions. Um, so, you know, what the hell... I need, where is the films, like the freaking, uh, whatchamacallit, midnight showings like they used to have, the pre-showings of the films where they have, like, amazing fucking promotional shit. 
they have fucking glow in the dark fucking knives. Well, you won't see that anymore because okay, you're... Okay, yes. But we're not going to see that. I'm just saying in my, like, utopian world. Yeah, where you, you know, can still do that sort of thing. But, but before, when they, you could do it, they didn't even have that. The freaking mask with the whole costume. I mean, It's damn. funny to look at that now because there's going to be a whole generation of people that watch this movie and go, well, that's bullshit. You can't wear a costume and carry a fake knife into a movie. They won't let you do that. Yeah, they did back at the time. I remember, like, the when the Watchmen movie premiered. I showed up to the movie theater at midnight. There were several people that showed up dressed like Rorschach, people carrying signs, people dressed like the comedian. Lots of people showed up in costume carrying fake weapons and everything. No one thought anything about it. Now, you get arrested and drug out of the theater for that shit. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And I and I feel like uh, it's utter bullshit that they don't have any kind of promotional thing. I mean, a keychain? I mean, damn. Something. Nothing. But, so... We have them, you know, and it's like, the here we go with the other trope. Of course, the black people dying in the film, like, they're just going to get killed off and right off even, the bat. They even discuss that. They have Jada Pinkett saying how, like, well, I can't stand these horror movies because they never treat black people well. And then they turn around and kill them off at the very beginning of the movie. They kill them off. <laughs> and then later on, you have homegirl, you know, roommate and fucking friend of uh, Nev Campbell uh, Sydney and she gets killed off like at least she was able to like hold on to like almost the end of the film but they were like nah this character we gotta kill her cause gotta she's not gonna come back for the third movie no one should have come back for the third movie it should have never been made uh <laughs> Okay, now you know how I feel about the third film. Okay, there's a whole other conversation there. We also got we forgot to mention Jerry O'Connell is in this. Oh yeah, there's just shit ton of people. We would be literally we could just do a whole podcast on how many people are in this fucking film. <laughs> and my personal favorite in this is David Warner makes an appearance. Yes, how dare you? That was definitely one of my main notes, and I love David Warner, and he's in one of my favorite movies. My best friend is a vampire, and. Why couldn't he be my fucking professor? Okay, I feel I feel like I missed out, and he looks great. Like I love him. He's in one of my favorite too, just time after time. Oh, uh, yeah, I love that movie. That's an excellent film. Yeah, excellent. If you have not seen this film, go and Google Time After Time and watch it because it's fucking amazing. So, you know, in uh, Sydney's room. There's a striped sweater hanging. Very reminiscent of uh, Freddy. Yeah, which is red and blue, which is like, well, I'm sh- pretty sure that combo, because like that it was a whole thing with the green and red, right? It was like colors of the fucking eye, like when they're put together, it's like, not an illusion, but it like fucks you up. They have that in there too. Wes Craven's, Wes Craven, of course, Hitchcockian fucking moment. He's a fucking doctor in the background. Like, there's a whole bunch of... Literally, like I said, it would just take the whole fucking podcast just to name everybody. Um, now. I think my my favorite part of this, though, is where they get at the very beginning to it, where they have the uh, discussion in the film class about how inferior sequels are to the original. Oh, yes. And everyone's arguing about what good sequels are and all that. And, and people bring up some good points. Hey, Terminator 2 is a great movie. Aliens is a great movie. But my favorite part is the guy who just wholeheartedly brings up House 2, the second story, is one of the best sequels ever made. And they're like, what the fuck? I'm pretty sure that was Joshua Jackson's character. Yeah, and he's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I just love that. You know, that had to be like Kevin Williamson just somewhere going, you know what, House 2 is a pretty good movie. Let's just throw that in there. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, and I'm, I was beside myself. because like, hey, I like that film more than I like the first one. Yeah. Even though it has the weird dog and the old grandpa. The caterpillar and grandpa yeah. zombie, whatever the yeah, fuck he grandpa is. grandpa zombie. I haven't watched that in years. We're going to have to cover that for a second serving. Oh, it's going to get crazy up in there with that second serving. Ugh. <laughs> Don't worry. You're like, you're like, I'm eating a bowl of maggots. It's <laughs> not one of my favorites. You haven't seen it in a long time. You have to, you have to rewatch it. That's true. It. It's been 30 years probably since I saw it. So, so I don't think I have any favorites. I'm not really... I, I, I do get very perturbed by the death of Randy. I feel like he was the one lovable, like, relatable character. Can't really relate to Gail Weathers. She's like mega bitch, self-absorbed, right? David Arquette, he's the only fucking character that has his own fucking music. Like, literally, Dewey has his own, like, melody, which is fucking weird. So, you know, and then he's, like, limping all around in this one. He has a problem with his arm. Yeah. Which they kind of abandoned later on in the movies. He just kind of went back to normal. Well, because after he got stabbed and opened up all those scars in the fucking ending of this movie, when they went in there, (laughs) he was in L.A. So he got, like, he's, like, he got better fucking doctors. And then, you know, they helped him out and they fixed his shit. And then he was able to get back. He Maybe Gail gave him some money. He gave him that Gail Weathers money because they got back together. (laughs) So... Uh, so yeah. So then Randy fucking dies. And I'm like, that's the only character I fucking care about. Like, fine, whatever. And if Campbell, who cares? Like, she can handle herself. I'm only, I like the fucking nerdy guy that literally has all the insights of the horror movies. It's like, he's the guy. And then, so ridiculous because I feel like later on they're like, damn, maybe we should have gotten rid of Randy. Maybe we should have fucking killed Dewey or maybe fucking even Gail because how long is she going to be the nemesis? We got to... Because then they bring him back with this fucking cassette tape thing. In part three, yeah. Right? And part three, the sister fucking from the dollhouse or whatever movie comes, you know, comes in and fucking brings his damn video and it's just like, you could have just left him in the movie, man. Why you did that? I kind of have a feeling from things that I've read that they had planned on killing off Dewey in this one as well. But this was one of the first movies to really, if not the first, to really suffer from like the script getting leaked online. Because uh, early on, you know, they brushed this into production pretty fast because, you know, the first one came out in December of 96 and this one was out in December of 97. Yeah, that's a really fast fucking movie. Yeah, so they like, you know, wrote this, got it into production and done and out in a year, which is you know, pretty damn fast. And along the way, from what I've read, that script got leaked out and, you know, they've come back and had Kevin Williamson say, ah, that was a fake script. We didn't, you know, we put that out just to, you know, to fool people and all this. But you got to wonder, was it? Or was that just them covering their ass when they like, oh shit, this thing's leaked and already spoiled the entire ending of the movie. We've got to reshoot it. I really do think that he died and that that was, you know, that was the end of it. And they just changed it to, you know, throw people off and be like, oh, well, that wasn't the, uh, that wasn't the right screenplay then. They were right. They were just fucking with us. I agreed that he probably died. I disagreed that the original, that that script that got leaked was the original because the idea 
of who the killer was or was supposed to be is so fucking stupid and such weak writing on Kevin Williams, like Williamson's part. Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that that would, it, Jerry O'Connell, her boyfriend to be the killer again. No, like no. Well, maybe they were going with the thing of you would never suspect it to be the boyfriend again. Oh God, yes, that's the first fucking motherfucker I'm thinking is a boyfriend. It's the closest <laughs> person to her. It's the closest person. Now they put me through the ringer because I would have never thought it was Skeet Urich's mom who had done lost weight and fucking went through this fucking transformation to come back and get her fucking revenge for killing her fucking son. Who's who, played by Laurie Metcalf. Who does a wonderful job. Love Laurie Metcalf. Who didn't even give a fuck about her son because she left, you know, eating her fucking bonbons out the fucking door and and was distraught and left her son there. Mind you, yes, fine. Her son was a teenager, you know, senior off on his way to college, possibly. So, but you have to admit that he, there's no way that, uh, what's his face? He had a fucking good life at home. Because you don't just become a killer, you know, over a fucking year. Like, I I don't get that he had mommy issues and then he just decided, you know what, I'm just gonna fucking go on a killing rampage. Like, I think that you were already a bit touched yeah. in, in the evil way before. And Stu, like, he's just an idiot. Peer pressure. Yeah, peer pressure. He's just <laughs> he yeah, exactly peer pressure. <laughs> and... Let me go out and say that there's something online about Matthew Lillard being in the fucking college scene, like the the party that they're having. He's in the background. No, I need someone to take a fucking zoomed up fucking photo because we combed that fucking scene. And there's one guy that... Okay, he was a white guy with fucking hair and eyeballs, but that doesn't fucking make him Matthew Lillard. Like, Matthew Lillard, see, that's fucked up because I would have known this before. When I met him, I would have asked, hey, do you happen to be in Scream too? Because you just came on set to just, you know, shoot this shit and you're in the fucking background? He would have told me. Yeah, I feel like he would have been honest about it. Um, when we see him again, we, we need to definitely make we'll that ask him. But yeah, um, you know, it's... And it's hard to remember now, like, you think about it, like, this is just another sequel, but back at the time, people were so excited for this to come out because Scream had come along, and the 90s were kind of a wasteland of horror. There was a few good things here and there, and but most of the ones that were good kind of got overlooked. And the ones I bring up that everybody's talked about, they're like, I haven't heard of that shit. <laughs> you know? Except for stuff like Candyman, which everybody remembers. And otherwise it was there wasn't a lot going on and when scream hit it was like it was the first time people had ever seen a horror movie or something it was just brought the whole you know genre back into life yeah it sure did and i don't know i mean it did have a fast turnaround and i may have my original pay my original movie stub from watching scream 2 i can't remember if I, i'm pretty sure i saw it because like as a teenager that was like the whole thing my whole thing was like every friday i went to go see the movie that i fucking had seen all week long in the commercials you know what was coming out friday with the voice i call him the voice <laughs> um um doing the uh trailer announcements and whatnot 
And I'm pretty sure I must have gone and seen that movie. I just don't remember. I remember clear as day watching Scream. Like, but I have no memory of watching Scream 2 in the theater. Well, when the original Scream came out, I was working at the video store. And when it came out in December, I had a friend who worked at the movie theater. And we, you know, all of us, uh, nearly every movie that comes, you have to watch it before it comes out. Before you play it for the public. You have to watch it to make sure there's no scratches or missing scenes. And ironically, one of the movies we watched was Mortal Kombat one time. And the final reel was the same as the first. So they had to reorder a new movie, like have it delivered that day. Wow. So every night, like when, you know, Thursday night, where the movies would come out, we'd have to sit and watch them. And I, I said, we have to. I went there just because I wanted to see a free movie every week. <laughs> <laughs> I sat through Mouse Hunt with him because I figured, you know what? He's let me see all these cool movies. I should probably sit through the shitty ones with him, too, just to be a friend. Um, was Mouse Hunt a shitty movie? I'm just saying. Of movies yeah, no, I okay. wanted to go see, Mouse Hunt was not high on the list back in uh, 95 or 96. I guess not for you. Any fucking movie that was free, I'm going to watch it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out here and say this. Because you, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm pretty sure we've talked about Blood Rain. I would have seen Blood Rain for free. I actually wish I would have seen Blood Rain for free. I want my motherfucking money back for that movie. I want my money back, okay? Well, what I was getting at, though, is that, like, it, it's hard to imagine now. Like, that Scream came out in December, and it didn't stop playing in the theaters until almost June. And the, the videotape came out near the end of June. And for like, you know, six months it played in the theaters and was, you know, it was still playing until right up a couple of weeks before it came out on videotape. And you just, you don't see that now. Hell movies, no. Movies play for at most a month in the theater and they're out of there. And like this thing was on for half the year. And there were people like going back. I remember I had people who had seen it seven, eight times in the theaters and it it's a diff, whole different movie experience now. And especially now after COVID. But just, it's hard to imagine back a time when a movie played for almost a year, or for six months, half a year. And, you know, it's just such a big deal when that came out. And then by the time, you know, the one was released on videotape, the sequel was only six months away. Yeah, and if it was a bigger movie, like, like Titanic, I remember vividly, okay, there being Entertainment Tonight fucking news where they were like interviewing families and people that have seen the movie 18 times like they made it a big fucking deal like this movie is a phenomenon it's taking over the world and and people had seen it like fucking 125 fucking times like people were trying to make fucking records break records and shit it was a big deal and that fucking movie was in the theater i feel like it was in the theater for like two years well as a kid i remember movies like Star Wars playing for an entire year at the theaters and then when it left the theaters the next year the next summer being at the drive-in for the entire summer was Star Wars at the drive-in and it was packed all the time because this was all pre-VCR before, yeah. even before you could go rent it on the videotapes and then once like Raiders of the Lost Ark came out that thing was in the theaters in Joplin at the time Joplin had like four movie screens and the Raiders of the Lost Ark and 9 to 5 took up two of them for an entire year <laughs> 9 to 5 <laughs> definitely met the demographic for that film yeah uh yeah i wasn't either i was like nine i wanted to see more shit that was coming out and i was like god the fuck is nine to five still playing for you're like i guess i'm gonna watch fucking raiders yeah i'm watching raiders again yeah it's just hard to imagine now movies playing that long in the theater because for the last like god i don't know 10 years for sure maybe a little before that 
it's all rushes out to home video so fast now that it's just unimaginable to people that the movie played in the theater that long. Yeah, the other part that pisses me off is when they killed Jerry O'Connell's up. And, and I know, yeah, final girl, she can't fucking be happy. Her whole life is misery and she's going to have to fight the fucking boogeyman for the rest of her life. And I mean, look at Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, look at all the fucked up shit that happened to her. She became a fucking pop, pill popping, uh, alcoholic who made it fucking through and then became a, uh, a, 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 I don't even know what they would even be called. A fucking headmistress to a fucking high-end fucking school. Yeah, and she's then, had a few things. And then she fucking <laughs> lost her fucking mind and ended, ended up in a fucking mental institution. And now she out here running around with fucking 65-year-old fucking Michael Myers. You know? <laughs> it's going to be funny when, like, uh, 20 years from now they do another reboot of Scream and they have to bring back whoever the hell survives this latest one come back into it and they're going to be like in their 60s or 70s and they're going to be coming back. People are going to be like, oh, God. No. He or she Mm-mm. is still doing these fucking movies. This next Scream, I'm going to tell you, they're going to pull a fucking Disney, okay? They're going to fucking have everybody die in the first fucking 10 minutes of that fucking film. Niff Camel dies. Fucking everybody dies. they all going to just get... Maybe it's going to be Final Destination style where they're on the fucking way somewhere and a fucking truck comes and just fucking swaps the fucking truck and all their heads get fucking chopped off. Some crazy that, shit. And, and the person driving the truck, ghost face. It's a, he's a ghost face construction killer. Okay, that's going to be the fucking movie. Yeah, I, I really do hope in this, in the beginning of it, and if they kill anyone, I'm going to lay odds it's going to be David Arquette. Yeah, they got to kill both of them. I mean, David Arquette and freaking Courtney Cox, they're not getting along. And let me tell you, uh, no offense, but David Arquette is looking rough. Okay, like mad rough. They're going to have to put a toupee on him. Maybe he's already dead at the beginning of this film. They're like, oh, dude, he didn't make it. He didn't I'm make not it. i sure if he's coming back or not. But yeah, they. Yeah, he did. But yeah, I think they'll, kill him they'll off definitely screen. go the route of... Killing someone off immediately right at the beginning. I have a feeling it's going to be it's going to be David Arquette or it's going to be Nev Campbell just because she doesn't want to be in the rest of the movie. Yeah, she's like, uh, I'm tired. I, I'm a serious actress now. I'm going to go do things, and I and I just can't be in this film anymore. So just kill me off, please. And then ten years from now, when she needs a job, she's going to pull a fucking Jamie Lee Curtis and be like, Yeah, so I said I wasn't going to do any more movies, but. I need a new addition to my house, so uh, I'm going to come back. They backed a dump truck full of money up to the house, and I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't blame them. People give these actors shit for doing some of these movies. and I think it was Ice-T I saw on some show that they were giving him shit for playing like a kangaroo man in uh, Tank Girl. He said, listen, they offered me one and a half million dollars to play that part. For that kind of money, I'll play half whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't blame me. <laughs> a million and a half dollars. Play a half kangaroo mutant. What the fuck? That'll set you up for quite a while. I love Laurie Metcalf, as I mentioned before. And uh, she does a great job. Um, the whole thing of getting, you know, Timothy Oliphant and you know, Lori Metcalf in it, that whole thing was like, okay, okay. But you can see where later on, and you know, who knows? Like, I know that uh, supposedly Kevin Williamson actually wrote 
the first three while he wrote the first one, right? So he kind of already knew what direction he wanted to go, like basically, because when you get to four, the whole Emma Roberts thing was how she was going to be the victim and how social media and the way the world is, like the whole movie, I love, that's my favorite one because there's so much social commentary on just how things get sensationalized and, you know, they're out of tragedies people become this thing where now they have fans and they get promotions and you know all kinds of fucking shit right so you see that here because timothy oliphant's thing is that he was gonna blame fucking horror movies made him a killer and that he was gonna get all the you know the publicity for that and he was gonna try and get off on it based on the fact that hey i uh the horror movies made me do it. I'm not guilty. And then you have what's his face, Cotton. Cotton is coming off of being in jail for wrongly accused for a whole year. He's trying to get on Diane Sawyer, so he's also trying to get the spotlight on him, which the movie ends with Nev Campbell with Sydney redirecting that spotlight onto him because he saved her life. And and it's one of those things like in that scene. She, like, he's, like, ready to, you think that he's ready to kill, like, Neff Campbell and, like, ready to take the fucking spotlight because Laura Madgav is like, look, you're going to be the star. You're, you have to get her out of the way. You're never going to be anything. You're never going to be the star if she's fucking, if Sydney's going to live. Like, she's going to survive. So then, you know, he already had previously asked, uh, you know, Sydney to be on dance uh, diane sawyer and she had you know turned him down and then she's like gives him the fucking okay and then he fucking shoots this fucking bitch you know and kills her so it's like was he gonna do the right thing was he just gonna fucking do not do the right thing and just become because you know he had reason to be pissed at her because she did falsely accuse him so he you know you could a little understand if he's like you know what this bitch I did a year in jail and she went on with her life. Maybe I'll just shoot her. Yeah, so definitely I feel like those were the seeds he was planting for later on. He would go back to that. He even kind of, in a way, has how Hollywood is evil and does nefarious things, which now knowing everything that happened with harvey weinstein it's like was that something that he was saying because in the third one maureen evans had been the girl that was passed around in like the hollywood fucking underground trying to get roles and that's how she came up you know with being with that director and how that all got blown out of proportion and she ran back home and just be fucking psychologically fucked up and became a whore and, and you know so on and so forth so it's just so crazy like looking back at part two three and four how in some way there's you know hollywood and you know what what it does to you and and then, you know, obviously the internet and stuff has grown in that time. So now you have social media, the sensationalism of it all. Like you later on get. So who knows what this part five is going to be? I, like I said, I loved part four. Like I, I did really I enjoyed it. I love the openings of it where it was like the multiple openings. And they even talked about the uh, <clears throat> craziness of it. They were like, wait, the opening to stab six is is stab set. Wait, what's happening? They're like, oh yeah, that one was time travel. We try to forget that one. <laughs> and they're just making the crazy shit. 
Uh, I did love in this one that they uh, they fixed one of the biggest uh, complaints from uh, the first one was, you know, everyone was constantly like, why didn't they have, why did no one have caller ID? Why did no one have caller ID? It's like, well, obviously it was written way before caller ID was a thing. So the first thing they have happen in this one is someone calls her and gives her like a prank phone call and she just reads their name off the caller ID and they're like, oh, fuck, and hang up. And it's like, yeah, okay, we shut that down. We know there's caller ID now, but... That's why now they usually have them calling cell phones or something else. Where it's back at the time was you much harder to trace. You star sixty nine them, baby. Star sixty nine. Yeah, but not now. No, not now. There's no star sixty nine. Wait, was a star sixty nine to block the per like block? No, that was callback. That was a callback. There was one that you could press. Was it star sixty seven? Yeah, block the caller ID, and it would say like ID blocked, and yes. then people wouldn't answer if it was blocked. Yeah, Sam Rochelle Geller should have fucking listened. Well, actually, she couldn't because she was on the line with Summer Blair yeah. when she got the incoming call, and also she had her love, her boyfriend hang up that she had that issue with him. So. She was waiting to fucking rescue his ass because he was a hot mess. Who we never see. That yeah. storyline we never see. And, you know, it's, you know, she also gets, obviously, she gets axed. Because all these people, mostly, Joshua Jackson is only in that fucking scene in the classroom. Yeah, he was just in that. And you got to wonder, like, he must have made an impression on Kevin Williamson to be, you know, like, the very next year he's cast in... Uh, Dawson's Creek and is in that for the whole run of the show. And then later, 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 later on, he's in a fucking cursed movie. Another Wes Craven, Kevin, Kevin Williamson. Williamson joint. Yep. Like there you have Joshua Jackson, which we will be talking about that. Obviously, and you also later. have him uh, popping up in Urban Legend with Rebecca Gayhart. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, I did mention that earlier, but yes, he, Joshua Jackson, Pacey, he was like a hot little number. He was all over the movies. He was. And now he's in all kinds of shit now. He was in that fringe show that you like so much. Yeah, he was in all five seasons of that. He was good in it. Which I'm sure he was I'm sure he was just fine. I I like him. I like Pacey, you know? <laughs> Pacey. He always gonna be Pacey. I don't care. Even even when I was watching Scream Two, I was like Pacey, because I wholeheartedly thought that that everything was the opposite. The reason why Kevin Williamson was blown up was because of Dawson's Creek, and that's how he started with the whole scream nope, thing. And the other it's way around. the other way around, which is nuts. Another one we should mention. This one she has a brief little, uh, just kind of a cameo, and it really is one of the sorority sisters, is Portia de Rossi. Yes, who'd go on to a lot of popularity in the late '90s, early 2000s, and then once again pop up in another Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson movie, Cursed, with Joshua Jackson. Yes, there's... so they kind of had like the uh, the Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson players there for a while. Yeah, I'm telling you, it was like the horror Brack Pack. Like you know, even though I technically wouldn't consider her to be part of the Brack Pack, I, I would think it would be more Sarah Michelle Gellar, yeah. Joshua Jackson. Um, I'm gonna name some other fucking people later on when I get when I find <laughs> when I could pinpoint who they are. But you guys know who they are. The people that you fucking call Devin Sawa, you know. Michael Rosenbaum. He was in quite a few of these back at the time. Michael Rosenbaum was also on Cursed and he was also in Urban Legend. Yeah, now he wasn't in this one, but I'm just saying he showed up in a lot of them with the same people. Yeah, so yeah. they were all run in the same kind of circles. Lex Luthor, yeah. It, later on, we'll, we'll, we'll get in it. We will be covering Cursed. I think it's going to be our next yeah. podcast. So we'll, we'll be covering that. That, that so for Scream Two, I'm gonna go ahead and give it three and a half knives. It worked a lot. It was it was a good sequel for me. Ugh, I'm gonna give it two and a half knives. No, fuck it. I'm giving it two knives. I'm giving okay. it two knives. I'm giving it two knives because for me it was tired. Um, 
it's tired to me now. If you would have asked me how I thought about this movie in 1997, I probably would have told you it was the fucking bee's knees. But seeing so many films in this time, like from then till now, and then just watching it again after so long, I have obviously I've seen this film. The last time I saw the film wasn't in 1997. I've seen it many times. But it's like, eh, you know, eh. I get pissed off and like, oh, why they killed Randy off, man? And then they killed, and then that whole scene with the whole cell phone thing, like they're checking everyone's cell phones to see where the killer is because the killer's on the fucking cell phone somewhere. Well, of course, back at the time, there was only like 12 cell phones on campus. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) But if you know there's someone out, maybe don't put your back to like a car or like in a building or somewhere where you can get snatched. That's not the smartest thing to fucking do. Well, you know, Randy, even though he knows a lot about horror movies, the first thing that happens in horror movies is people do stupid things. That's true, which I feel like that's the number one thing he should have tried to avoid. Yeah, so but he fell into his own trap. He sure did a bloody trap in a van. He died in a, in a stinky van. It's nasty. So, yeah. So, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of our second serving where we covered Scream 2. Stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.